Hi, welcome to the shallow dive on the Dafyomi. I hope you enjoy. So three lines from the bottom of Yiralaf Midbeis. Kalev ben Chetzron holid es azuva isha besirios ve'ele boneha yeshev eshov ve'ardon ben Chetzron. And Kalev, the son of Chetzron, gave birth to Azuva, a woman, and Urios, and these are her children, Yeshev Eshovav Ve'ardon. In Darsh in this Pasuk, Ben Chetzron, Ben Yifunu. I'm trying to get at the identity of Kalev. Is he Ben Chetzron? Or is he Ben Yifuna? We find Kalev Ben Yifuna. So my answer is Ben Shepanam Atzas Miraglim. Ben Yifuna is not his actual name, but it is a reference to a pivotal moment in his life that he got this title Ben Yifuna, that he turned from the plot of the scouts, the spies, who slandered the land of Israel. So he acquired this title, Halev ben Yefune. Vakati ben Kenazu. Okay, so you've dealt with one of the aliases of Kalev ben Chetron. He has another name as well. He's called ben Kenaz. Dechsiv, as the verse states, Shoftim, Vayilkada Asnil ben Kenaz, Achi Cholev Hakaton Mimenu. Asnil ben Kenaz was one who conquered the brother of Cholev, who was smaller than him. Vayitin lo es achso vitolisha. In Sefer Shoftim we have, apparently, Cholev, the brother of Asnil, the son of Kenaz. So that, at all, as well, is at odds with him being Ben Chetron. Amarava, Chorgo de Kenaz Hara. Rava says, he was the stepson of Kenaz. Let's see Rashi. Kale Ben Chetron, Yamim, Ben Yefune Ben Shenifne Me'atzas Meraglim, Slightly different gear, such as Nifna as opposed to Shepana. Tirutzaho de Kometaritz. The Gemara is presenting an answer. The Olam ben Chetzronu. Really, he is the son of Chetzron. Lomanikra ben Yefune. Why is he called Kali ben Yefune? Al Shemaisov, because of his deeds. Okay, we're seeing about ben Kenazu. Chorgo de Kenaz. Ben Ishto shel Kenaz Hayakolev. He was the son of Kenaz's wife, Kalev. And Osniel ben Kenaz was his half-brother. So Osniel ben Kenaz is Kipshuto, and Kalev, that seems to be presented as his brother, is his half-brother, and his father is Chetzron. Top of your basement, Aleph.
Daika Nami Dirsiv Haknizm and derive that this is in fact the case. We have a supporting verse in Bamidbar Lam Bezid Bez. Bilti kol ben Yefune Haknizi. Yeshua ben Nun Kimilachare Hashem. We find that Kalev ben Yefune is called Haknizi. Rashi, Daikanami Dirsiv Kra Achrina, we have another supporting verse. He's not called the son of Kenaz. Like we find Osniel is called Ben Kenaz, his half brother. He's from the people of the household, and he was raised by Kenaz, but he's not actually Ben Kenaz. In that verse, he's called Ben Yefune in context of. <coughs> Turning away from the miraglim, and of the household of Kenaz, Haknizi. Shnamino. So derived from this verse that he actually is Kale ben Chetzron. He's called ben Yefune because he turned away from the Atzas miraglim, and he's called Knizi because he was raised by his stepfather Kenaz. Azuva zu Miriam. Azuva is called Miriam. Lama nikrashma Azuva. Why is her name called Azuva? Shakol Azvua Mitrilasa. Everyone forsook her from her beginning. So Miriam has another name, Azuva. Rashi says, Shemitrila Cholonisaisa. Originally she was sick. As we will shortly find, she was called Irios, like curtains. It's not exactly a beautiful form for the the face. But apparently she was sick, so she looked like a curtain. She's also called sick. And forsaken. All of the eligible bachelors in the Jewish nation, ran away from her. They forsook her. Melissa Osa, they did not want to marry her. Looking for a shirach, not a girl who's sick. So, she has this title, Azuva. Holid. This same verse in Divrei Yomim. It says, V'cholid ben chesron holid es Azuva, isha, v'sirius, v'el benel, v'yesheh, v'shove, v'shove, v'ardon. Why does the verse say in Debra Yomim that he gave birth to Azuva? Caliph married Miriam. So why are we saying that he gave birth there? Rabbi Yochanan teaches that this reflects a certain reality that whoever marries a woman for the sake of heaven, it is considered as though he has given birth to her. Rashi. Baha Minsav Nasva, Kidirsi, Vatamas Azuva, as the verse states, and Azuva died, Vaikachlovikomer, Alma, Itasehav. You see from the context it was his wife. Lashem Shamaim, for the sake of heaven, Kigonzo, Shahisachol, like this woman, she was sick. Then also Shem Shamaim. 
He married her for the sake of heaven. He saw that she had very great brothers, Aaron and Moshe. He saw that they were righteous. The Baba Basra, the Yishnochlin Gemara says, Baba Basra, Daf Kuf Yeralf, Daf Kuf Yod Amad Aleph, that most of the children are similar to the husband, the, the siblings, the brothers of the mother. So, a, a man in Shaduchim who wants to marry Lashem Shemaim should inspect the prospective matches brothers and see what they are like, because that is a good likelihood for what his children will be like. And Kalev saw, Miriam has wonderful brothers, Aaron and Moshe. So it was Lashem Shemaim. Yirios, Shayopan Neha Domelirios. She has a title, Yirios, curtains, because her face was like curtains. Blit Hoar. Ad Mumis, Rashi says, Machmas Cholea Haisa Yakrekes. Without the typical ruddy complexion and shape that a face normally has. She was sick, and her face apparently was was puffy and had a greenish hue. Not very pretty. It's fine for curtains, but doesn't look nice on a woman's face. Excuse me, we're talking about Miriam. Miriam, yes. I've never heard this. Yeah. She had a a tough time in Shaduchim, apparently. And and she married Kalev? Right. I, I didn't realize that. Huh. Interesting. Interesting that the Lashem Shemaim Rashi brings down doesn't say, well, she was a prophetess. And that's pretty good, you know? Right. I would think that's also a reason to right. uh, to have some some points in the Shidduch market. Sure. But uh, Rashi says he's looking at her brothers. Her brothers. Okay. Yeah, she, she did have good brothers, not yeah. taking that away from her. But she had her own... Uh... <laughs> she was in the Nevi'ah. Yeah. Okay, I'll call upon him. That's what Rashi says. And these are her children. I'll take her, but now, don't read her children, but her builders. Hmm. And that, therefore, will be a reference to her husband, Kali. So, Yesher, Veshovav, Ve'ardon. Yesher, Sheyashes, Atzmo. He straightened himself out. Referring to her husband, Kalev, Vishova, Sheshiva es Yitzro, that he sent his Yitzhar packing. He returned it. Ve'ardon, Sherodo es Yitzro, that he subdued his evil inclination. Rashi has a slightly different gear, so. Let's see Rashi. But now, Elu Shemus Bailo. These are the names of her husband. Shabana that had built her up, built her up to be like other women, by getting married, and having children. So these three are not her children, but the names, additional names, of Kalev, her husband. A man of many names. She has her satmo, Militos, as to Samaraglim. He straightened himself not to be swayed by the error of the spies. Sheshivah es atmo, and this is different than 
our text in the Gemara, it says Shiva Ves Yitro, is it himself, his evil inclination, Mi'apsasan from their plot, Lashen, Bas, Shogava, Yotsonis, Meredes, Bahochi, Nami, Karile, Mered, Bikra, Achrina, Hashem, Shemorad, Batsas, Meraglim. He rebelled against this prevailing spirit of the times amongst his colleagues to speak slanderously and try and hold the Jewish people back from entering Israel. So it required a rebellion on his part. His Yitzhah was enticing him to fall into the same error as them. It is fascinating that all these names seem to have nothing to do with her, but with him. In spite of the context of these names being brought out, is in the context of, according to this interpretation, him building her up by marrying her. A fascinating thing. It implies, I would suggest, that some of his success was a result of this heroic choice on his part. He got a very good partner. And some say, Some say that it is a name that gives a an allusion to the fact that her face had a rosy hue. This apparently is after she was healed. So she went from Blitar Admumis, as Rashi said, without any any uh, normal color. And now she has rosy rosy cheeks, Chvesvas. So that, that's uh, hinted at in this name. He helped restore her rosiness. We have another verse in Divrei Yamin. Ul Ashkur Avi Sekoa, Veshtenoshim Chelo Vinara. Ashkur is a Kalev. Ashkur is Kalev. Another name for him. Veloma Nikrishmo Ashkur. So why does he have this other name, Ashkur? Shehoshkur Panov Vitainis. His face darkened through his fasts. He took many fasts. Yeah. And his own face darkened because of that. Avi, he became to her like a father. Sekoa, shetaka es libo He stuck his heart to cleave to his father in heaven. He had two wives. Nase Miriam kishtenoshim. Miriam herself was like two wives. There's the before and after picture. Chola Vinara. Chela. She was sick when he married her. Nara is a youth, a maiden. Lo Chela Vinara Have. Not that he had two wives that were distinct, but rather, Ela Betchila Chela. Rather, at first she was sick. Ubasof Nara. And at the end, 
she was like a youthful maiden. Robust. Uvnechela. The continuation in Tibre Yomim. Uvnechela tseres vitzochar veesnan. The children of Chela, who were saying, is Miriam. Were tseres vitzochar veesnan. Tseres shenasis tsarl chavaseh. That she became like a competition to her friends. She was the envy of the women. Vitzohar, our Gemara says, Tzohar, Shehoyopaneha domen kitzarayim. Her face was like the bright sky in midday. Esnan shekoro osa molech esnan ishto. Esnan, that is a gift to a woman that whoever saw her would bring his wife a gift. Interesting idea. Originally, she was so forsaken at a very challenging time in her sickness, not particularly beautiful. But then, subsequently, a massive transformation. Hmm. The power commanded to his entire nation, Lamar. Not only did he command to his nation, but concerning his nation, that they were included in this decree. Af al On the day that Moshe was born, Amru Istagninov, the stargazers of Paro said, Today was born the Redeemer of Israel. And we can't tell if he's Egyptian or Jewish. He gathered together his entire nation. And he asked them to give him over all of those born on that day. He decreed it even on his own nation. There were three decrees that Paro made. Initially, Im Benhu If he is a son, he told the midwives, then you shall kill him. Then, subsequently, Kol Haben Hayulod, any son who is born, Hayaora Tashlichu, to the Nile you shall cast him. And at the end, not only did he make a decree against the Jews, but even on his own nation. Three various stages. Vayelach ish mebeis levi. Vayikach. The description of Amram and Yochevet. It says, and a man from the house of Levi went. And he married the daughter of Levi. Where did he go? It says, And he went. Rav Yehuda Barzvina says, He went in the advice of his daughter. 
was taught that Amram was the leader of the generation. Given Shirah, Shama, Para Rasha, Kola Beni Lod, Ayur Tashtikhu. It's another Girsa, Shigazar. Given Shirah, Shigazar. When it became clear this, that there was a decree, the wicked Pharaoh, to cast every son who was born into the Nile, Amar Lashav Anomeli. Amram became despondent and he said, We are toiling for naught. Amar Vigir Shasishto. He got up and divorced his wife. Amdukul Vigir Shasnishasan. He was the leader of the generation. So that's what he did. Everybody followed him. They divorced their wives. Amar Lo Bito, his daughter Miriam said, Abba, your decree is worse, more difficult than the decree of Paro. Paro's decree is only on the boys and the males. Your decree is much worse, males and females. Paro's decree is limited to this world. Your decree is not only in this world, but you're preventing these babies from being born and meriting the world to come, eternal life. Paro, Harasha, Safik Miskamas, Gderoso, Safik Enamiskamas. By Paro, the wicked, although he's in power, but he's wicked, who says his decrees will be fulfilled. Maybe yes, maybe no. Certainly, you who are righteous, Amram is of those very select few that never sinned. Certainly, Miriam said to her father, your decrees will be fulfilled. Shenamar, as the verse states, in Eov, Vesigzar, Omavayakam, Vayakam Lach. So your decree will be fulfilled. God will fulfill it for you. Amram accepted his daughter's arguments and he remarried his wife. So all the other people who followed after Amram, they followed him again and they remarried their wives. The verse says, and he took Describing the marriage, it says, Vayelach ish me beislevi, Vayikach es baslevi. Vayachsu me barle. Why doesn't it say he re- restored her? He returned her. That he remarried her. It says he married her, it sounds like, from the beginning. Om Rabbi Yudha bar zvino, Sha'asa lo, or lo, Maisa likuchin. That he did for her a full marriage ceremony, an act of taking, he set her in a type of uh, bed that's carried by people. Even today we have a custom, oftentimes the collar is lifted up. She's sitting on a chair usually, lifted up by people. Chasen also. It's a standard part of the simcha chasen mekala. So Amram did this for his wife Yocheved at the wedding ceremony. 
Vaharon and Miriam miracled in the Fanel. And he had dancing in front of her. None other than Aaron and Miriam. Hmm. And the ministering angel said, The mother of the children is rejoicing. S. Bas Levi. Azuk says that he took, he married the daughter of Levi. Efsher Bas Meo Shloshim Shanoat. Mikarlo Bas. Is that a standard? You know, she's Bas, although daughter. She might be the daughter of Levi, but she's not exactly a young woman at 130. So is that appropriate to call her Bas at 130? She's uh, pushing it. What should it have said? There's Kano, I don't know, something like that. Bas implies a, a young girl. This is referring to Yochebed. She was born, she was conceived before going down to Egypt, and her birth was as they entered into Egypt. As the verse states, who was given birth to Levi, Yechavit was born to Levi in Egypt. She was just born in Egypt. But conception, the pregnancy was earlier, before going down to Egypt. Amr Rabbi Yehuda shall know the boss Simon in Aris. Rabbi Yehuda says, you know why it says Bas? She started having the physical manifestations of youth, of being a young girl, even though she was 130. But she became youthful once again. And the woman gave uh, conceived and gave birth to a son. How could that be? She was already three months pregnant. At this time, when the remarriage took place between Amram and Yochever, she was already three months pregnant. There's a connection between her birth and the conception, she did not suffer in any manner through the entire process. From here we derive that righteous women, they are not included in the decree of Chava. Rashi says, the decree of judgment against her, the curse of the challenges and the pains involved with pregnancy and child-rearing. So that was not something that affected Yochavet in general. It does not affect Nashim Tzidkanias. But here also, Kitovu. So just to point out a, a, an interesting question here, now that we see that she was already three months pregnant by the time of the marriage. So, yesh lahakshos, why then would we have a drasha that there is a return of her youthfulness at the point of his remarrying her? She's already three months pregnant. And if you say that she became youthful like Sarah prior to giving birth, she's no longer physically an old woman. She's 
physically like a young woman. Okay, but over here, if these midrashim go together, so it's a bit strange that she's already three months pregnant, and now she suddenly, at the marriage, becomes youthful. I mean, at 130. And what about three months before? She was uh, she was with her walker at that point, and <laughs> it was very hard for her. And, she, and now suddenly, she was pregnant already, and now suddenly she gets youthful looking. It's a very interesting. She, I'm sorry. So she was three months pregnant at the time of the of the re of the remarriage. Right. Because oh. it took it took uh, a few months, I guess. Till Marion was able to convince, and till they got right. the party together for the chasna. I, <laughs> That's uh, okay. interesting. The tzarachian. Why, why you have this nace? She's already, uh, is already a nace. She's pregnant. Mm-hmm. But it's not necessary. These midrashim, they don't have to go together. It could be that it's different midrashim. Well, certainly not all these midrashim go together. There's another medrash that Eldad and Medad are the half-brothers of Moshe, from another father, not Amram, who Yechev married in the interim when she was divorced from Amram. So obviously that doesn't go together with this medrash that she's three months pregnant with Moshe during the interim. So they're different midrashim. It could be that it doesn't necessarily go together, but it doesn't sound like it's being presented as in conflict, but just a ha'ara that the presentation of her youthfulness returning is at the Lekuchen, at the marriage ceremony, the second marriage ceremony. And at that point, we're presenting her as three months pregnant already. How do we know that she was three months pregnant? The Gemara is going to say, good question. Lateroso kitovu. And she saw him, that he was good by the birth of Moshe. Tanya, Rebbe Meir, Omer, Tov Shemo. Rebbe Meir says, you know Moshe's name? It was Tov. Hmm. His name was Tovya. This description of Tov is that he was fit for prophecy, which of course is true. Moshe is the father of the prophets. Another interpretation, why is he called Tov? And she saw that he was good. She saw that he was born circumcised without the imperfection of the foreskin. He's already complete, whole, tov. Achamim say that at the time that Moshe was born, the house filled with light in its entirety. It's written over here, and she saw him, that he was good. It's written over there, and God saw the light, that it was good. So what is the goodness? The light. And she hid him for three months. The Egyptian policy of seeking out the boys to be killed, cast into the Nile River, that started from the point of the marriage. They had a registry, marriages were celebrated, and they came hunting for babies, baby boys, nine months later. So they were not looking 
for Moshe, for any baby boy, for another three months. Hmm. And she was already three months pregnant. So she was able to hide him for three months. And she was not able to further hide him. She was not able to further hide him. Am I? Why not? Let her continue hiding him. In any, any instant where the Egyptians heard that there's a birth, they would bring another baby there. They would try and stimulate the baby who was in hiding to cry by bringing another baby and making that baby cry. Tersiv, as the verse states, we saw yesterday, Shir Shir, Echa zulano shualim, shualim ketanim, chab mikramim, ochrameno semadar. So these small foxes would trample the unripe fruit, these babies that would be made to cry, would elicit crying from the hidden babies in the Jewish homes, and they would be able to find them and take them away. She took for him a wicker basket. Why specifically this material? From here we derive that the righteous, they value their money more than their bodies. It's a cheap type of wood. It could have been a stronger protection for his body with harder and stronger wood. Nonetheless, they used simple wood. And, and so much, what is the purpose? Why are the tzaddikim so concerned? Because they will not stretch out their hands to steal. So they're very careful to only live within their means. So they'll use a simple wood, even if a stronger wood would theoretically afford more protection. But they're not willing to steal under any circumstance. Then a soft uh, substance, so this type of wood, can stand before something soft, so it's supple. And as well, before something that is harder, so it has good give to it, it's not fragile, not brittle. And she plastered it with the pitch and some type of plaster. 
it was taught that she plastered this basket with a chemer on the inside and a zephes on the outside. The pitch, the tar was on the outside. In order that the righteous one, this righteous one, Moshe, although he was a baby, three months old, would not be subject to the foul smell of the tar. So it was placed on the outside. She placed him, the, the baby, into this basket. And she placed him in the reeds. Eliezer says it was in the Sea of Reeds. It was in the swamp. As the verse states, Kanev Vasuf Kamelo, Paskin Yeshaya. I thought I thought he was cast into the to the Nile. So that that, that does appear you know, what does the Pasik say? It says Vatasan Basuf And she placed him in the Suf at the lip of the Nile. So I don't know what the uh, what the reason for this measure to say Yamsuf because I don't I'm not aware of any direct connection between Yamsuf and the, the Nile. Hmm. But perhaps he's saying that that's where it actually took place. Or at a place by Yor, the Yor is the Nile, in a swampy part of the Yor of the Nile. The the Rashi speaks out this soft material actually is the best protection. Stronger wood, actually, if it's subject to a more intense pressure, can crack. It has more ability to withstand such an assault. So even though it was a light type of wood, the supple material was actually a better protection. So according to this, it's not a raya that tzadikim emonam chavav lemiosamigufan if this was actually the ideal material. It seems a different angle on, on the reason why the Torah is pointing out the materials used. Let's see the second Tosfos. Chema b'chutz v'zefes me'bifnim Pirush Rebbe v'shem Rashbach Lonimus v'zefeseh v'sochateva Both of them were on the interior. So the inner level and outer level are both on the interior as opposed to the exterior of this basket. And this plaster covered over the pitch. But there was no pitch on the actual exterior of this basket. In order that it should not be easily detectable. It was camouflaged. 
So by having these, the, this wicker basket on the outside presenting just the wood itself, it would easily camouflage into the background of the reeds of the Nile. And that would be better protection. So then the pitch, this black material, was actually not on the outside, but would ra rather be on the inner level of this basket, so not on the external point. Why is there a value of maintaining a camouflage? He obviously is going to need help. He's three months old. So the camouflage, you want somebody to find him, right? Maybe it's better if he has a black material drawing people's attention to it. Akopanim, clearly, the Tosos is understanding that of the two choices, that was a better shot, more safe. Why? It could be we have a medrash that miraculously the babies were protected and, and given sustenance by malachim, angelic assistance. So perhaps the, although they're relying on a miracle here, the less overt way of relying on a miracle is to try and camouflage this baby instead of Put up a neon sign. Uh, please find baby. Top of your base, my base. The terbas paro lirchotz aliyar. The daughter of paro went down to bathe on the Nile. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Mishum Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. Rabbi Yochanan says in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. Melamed sheyarda lirchotz megilu leavia. This teaches us. She didn't just go down to bathe. She went down to cleanse herself of the idolatry of her father. Rashi says, Lirchotz, to bathe. Litvol sham l'shem gerus. This was an immersion for the process of conversion. I don't know of any Bezdin over here who's watching. Oh, Moshe. <laughs> who's the Bezdin over here? Okay. She was a DIY girl, and she wanted to convert. All right. The Chaynu Omer, and similarly we have a verse describing bathing in such a way, in Yeshaya, Dal Dal, Im Rochatz Adonai es Tsoas Benos Tzion. Tsoa is excrement, is a common way of describing idolatry. And the washing off of it is a reference to the washing away of idolatry, cleansing from idolatry. And her maidens went, when she went to this mikvah in the Nile River, she was accompanied by her young ladies, this going is describing going to die. Hmm. And we have a similar instance. Going to die. Behold, I'm going to die. And she saw 
the basket, this, the wicker basket that Moshe was in, within the reeds. Even Achazu, once they saw her maidens, the Kabal, that Kabaos, the Bach says, Latsule, that she wanted to save Lemoshe, to save him. Amrullah, they said to her, to her, Ibirasenu, our matron, Minahago Shalola, in the ways of the world, Melch Basavadam, Gozegzera, a king of flesh and blood, makes a decree, Imkolalam Kulot, Ein Makaminosa, even if the decree is not fulfilled by the entire world, but, but at, at a minimum, his children and the members of his household fulfill the decree. And, and you are transgressing the decree of your father. So they are trying to impress upon her that this is illegal. She's trying to save this baby boy, Moshe. And they're trying to dissuade her. Gavriel came, smashed them into the ground. As Rabbi Yochanan said earlier, this was a death march for them. So he's put an end to these arguments. It's a very simple way to end this conversation. And she sent Amosa, so she sent Amosa and she took him. What does Amosa mean? One says that it means her hand. She sent her hand, personally, herself, to take Moshe. And one said that she sent her maidservant. The one who says that she sent her hand. So from the fact that it didn't say her hand, although Amasa could be used as hand, but it didn't say Yada, her hand, in the most direct sense, so it implies her maidservant. But according to the one who said that she sent her maidservant, didn't we just say that they were killed? They're smashed into the ground by Gavriel, the Malach. He left over one of them. It's not, not to leave a princess without any attendant uh, maidservants. So he left one. Hopefully she got the message and uh, quit arguing against saving Moshe. And that was uh, Gavriel's plan. Give her, leave her at least one attendant. According to the opinion that she sent her hand, why not just write in a verse? She sent her hand. It's coming to teach you that her hand extended. It's miraculous. The same phenomenon we find by the hand of the daughter of Pharaoh, we find also by the teeth of the wicked. The reference to Og, that his teeth extended and became entangled in the mountain and brought about his own demise. Hmm. There's an extension that is implied over here. So that's why it says Amasa instead of Yoda.
Atiftach, Atireo. She opened up and she saw him, Esayel, the boy. Vatere mi boile. It should have said, and she saw. Why does it say, Vatirehu, and she saw him? She saw the Divine Presence with him. She saw him with the boy, meaning the Shechina, with this baby. And the verse says, she, Behold, the lad was crying. The verse calls him a boy and a youth. It was taught as an explanation that he was a yeled, a, like a, he was a baby, but his voice was like a lad, more mature. Divrei Rabbi Yehuda. These are the words of Rabbi Yehuda. Amar lo Nechemia. says, in Cain, if that's true, then you're making Moshe into a balmum, into a blemished person, to say that he was a baby and had this more mature voice, that is a blemish. Rather, why is the description of Hine Nar, and behold, he was a lad, that his mother made for him a canopy of youth, as a sense of her worry that she would not merit to participate in his wedding canopy, so she made him a little canopy, even though, of course, he was a baby. But not that he had a voice like a baby, uh, like a lad. And Rashi says, Nah, God Mashmat. Sounds like he was older. Balmum, a blemished one. Vehu Levi. Moshe was a Levi. Venifsal Bekol, Lavorosashir. What's the problem if he's a Balmum? Problem is that he'll be, be unable to sing with the service in the temple or in the tabernacle in the Mishkan. So the Levim are supposed to do Shir, Shir, including Moshe as a Levi, and if he has this unusual voice, he would be excluded. So it's not running to incorporate that interpretation. And what's the uh, the problem? It is possible, but we do find in general that when we darshan about tzaddikim, so we darshan latov by rishonim darshan like nai, and to darshan in a way that would present him as being unable to fulfill a mitzvah, we wouldn't do that unless it was necessary. So if there's another interpretation. So he, he seeks another interpretation that would not present him as being restricted from serving Kaddish Baruch love, and she had a sense of mercy upon him. And she said she's, that this is from the baby Hebrews. How did she know? She saw that he was circumcised. Ze, the verse says this. Ze, this one. Rabbi Yochanan milamech nisnavo shelo midaito. Ze nofel ve'en achen nofel. She had 
a flicker of prophecy, Basio, unintentionally. This one was cast, fallen into the water, but another one will not fall. And this is in accordance with the teaching of Rabbi Lazar. What that is written, this verse describes those who seek out various forms of divination that they see but don't understand what they see. They have a, a proclamation but they don't really understand the import, what it means. Ro, what did the stargazer see? They saw that the Redeemer of Israel would be stricken by water. And therefore they got up and decreed, Any son who is born shall be cast into the Nile. Once they put Moshe, and they literally poured Moshe in, they saw that once Moshe was put into the river, so they said, you don't need to continue this decree. He was already put into the water. They didn't understand. There was truth to it. It was a flicker of reality, but not in a manner that they could perceive. They thought it was being thrown into the Nile. No, that didn't have any role in harming Moshe at all. But he was stricken by the episode with Memoriva, the waters of descent, where there's a big chil uh, Hashem. He's supposed to speak to the rock, hit the rock, exactly what he did wrong. So Machlokas has shown him. But this was a source of Moshe's punishment. This is in accordance with the teaching of Rabbi Chama, the son of Rabbi Chanino, that which is written, these are the waters of discord. These were the waters that were seen by Itztagnine Paro, the stargazers of Paro, and they made an error. And this also is reflected in the statement of Moshe, Sheishmos Elif Ragli, 600,000 to my feet. I am Moshe, Sheishmos Elif Ragli, Ha'am, Shanochi, Bekirbo. Amar Lahan, Moshe, Lisrael, Moshe said to the nation, and on the verse he's speaking to Agar Baruchu, but he's in this Medrash presenting. Moshe speaking to Yisrael, On my account you are all spared. That day, what day was it? It was the 21st day of Nisan. The ministering angel said before, the Holy One, blessed be He, Ribono Shalala, Master of the Universe, Misha Asit Lomer Shira Aliyam, the one who in the future will sing Az Yashir, the song by the splitting of the sea. Bayom Zeh, on this day should he be stricken? Bayom Zeh, 
on this day. Rabbi Acha Bar Chanino Amar. Also Yom Shisha B'Sivan Haya. There's an alternate opinion. What is this day? It was the sixth of Sivan. What did the ministering angel say before the Holy One Blessed Be He? Master of the Universe. The one who in the future, on this day, will receive the Torah from Mount Sinai. Should he be stricken on this day? It goes well, according to the opinion. It is the sixth of Sivan. We find three months. De Omar Mar, the master taught, the Shiva Ba'adar Mace, Moshe died on the seventh day of Adar, the Shiva Ba'adar Nolak, Moshe, and Moshe was born on the seventh day of Adar, the Shiva Ba'adar Ad Shisha B'Sivon Plus and you do have three months between his birthday and the day he died, and the giving of the Torah on the calendar. The three months, let's see, Rashi. Shloshiyachi, Hayu, Ben Gimel Chadashim, Shitzminasa. The three months of his being hidden. Let's see, there's Rashi. Let's catch up to Rashi, some of the Rashis over here. Bishvili Nitzaltem. On my account, Moshe said, Were you spared? Shabit Lomitzraim, Ezzirasam. Once I was cast into the Nile, the Egyptians nullified their decree. Shira Aloyom, the song by the sea, Az Yashir, Chaf Aleph Benisan, Namra, it was said, a week after the Exodus, on the 21st day of Nisan, Kedetanim Seder Olam, as is taught in Seder Olam, Abraisa, Ramses Susukos, Mesukos, Eisom, Eisom, Nepi Achiros, Re Gimel, the fourth day, he was told to the king of Egypt that the nation was fleeing. On the fifth and sixth days, the Egyptians pursued. The Bach says, after them. The night of the seventh, they went down into the sea. In the morning they sang Shira, the song. It was the seventh day, the final concluding celebration of Pesach. On the seventh day of Adar, did Moshe die? This is derived from verses mentioned in the first chapter of Kedushin, 38a. As it's written, and the children of Israel cried in mourning over Moshe, in the plains of Moab, for 30 days. And it's written, And Moshe, my servant, died. And now get up and cross over. And it's also written, In another three days you will cross over, as he had in the Jordan. And it's written that the nation went up from the Jordan on the 10th of the month, Harisha, of the first month. Say mehen, lamed gimel, take away from them 33 days, lamed freya, going backwards, timsa, shebeshiva ba'adar meis Moshe. 
you put these together, you find that Moshe died on the seventh of Adar. How do you know that he was born on that day? As it's written, and he said to them, Moshe told the Jewish people, Ben Mea Ve'esrim Shana Anochi. I am 120 days. Hayom today. Begome. Matamadomer Hayom. Why does it say today? Hayom Molo Yomai Shnosai. Today is the completion of my days and years. It was his birthday. It was exactly 120 hmm. on the day of his death. The Shloshayachi, meaning to get three months back to the discussion of the Malachi Shara saying, the one who would, in the future, uh, should it be stricken over here, is, is three months after his birth. That, that was when he was subjected to this being placed in the water. So there's a, a machlokus over here of the dates. Was it the 21st of Nisan? Or was it the 6th of Sivan? What exactly were the Malachim presenting as an argument in defense of Moshe for his future good deeds. The Gemara asks, It goes well, according to the opinion that it's the 6th of Sivan. So you have three months from the sixth, from the 7th of Adar to the 6th of Sivan. You got three months. You have a full three months. However, according to the opinion that it was the 21st day of Nisan that he was placed into the Nile or into this place of danger, had you have three months, because he was hidden for three months, and if we say that he was born in Zion Adar, so you're shy, you don't have three months. You have less than three months between Zion Adar and Chaf Aleph Nisan. That year was, in Ibrayar, you had an extra month of Adar, so Adar Beis, Ruba Shal Rishon, so you had the majority of the first month from Zion Adar, of Adar Aleph, till the end of the month. The Ruba Shal Achron, and Nisan, you had until the 21st day, first day of Nisan, so you have 21 out of the, the row of whatever it was that year. And a full month in the middle of Adar Beis. It's the second month of Adar. So you have most of three months. Not a full three months, according to that opinion, but most of three months. And his sister said to the daughter of Paral, Shall I go? Shall I go call for you? A, a Jewish a nursemaid for this boy, for Moshe, why did she say specifically from the Hebrews? This teaches us that originally Basia tried to have Moshe nurse from all of the Egyptian women, and he was not willing to nurse. Amar Pesh he said, should the mouth that in the future will speak with the Divine Presence, should it be sustained from something that is impure? And that which is risen, 
supporting this idea. Pasuk in Yeshaya. Esmi Yeredea. Esmi Yavin Shmua. Gimule Mecholav Atike Nishadai. So, who should be in the position of this giving forth of the law and the teaching? So, someone who has that purity from the time of suckling. Rashi explains, Dovatame, Zu Shechila Shechilosa, Dvarm Tmeim. The Egyptian women consumed impure foods. Latinic time, Bechalba, and the baby tastes through the milk, all that which is consumed by the mother or the nursemaid. Who should the Holy One, blessed be He, teach the Torah to? Lemi, Shagoma, one who is nursed, Behifrish, Atzmo, and separated himself from impure milk, and was disconnected from the uh, impure breasts in the Egyptian women's milk, which was impure, like we find a lotion by Avram Avinu, to separate from there, to move over uh, on from there. So Moshe Rabbeinu rejected the nursing from that which was impure. would be a source of timtum, as is brought by the Ramon Yadeh, so, what did Bisya say? Go, go, man. She thought it was a great idea. She went with alacrity, like a young woman who's going with strength. Why does it say Almo? That she hid her words. It was an element. She wasn't revealing everything. And the daughter of Paro said to her, to Miriam, Bring this boy. She spoke prophetically without fully understanding the prophecy. To take this, this boy. It is yours. This boy is yours. And I will pay the wage for nursing. It's not enough for the righteous that their lost are restored to them. But they are even given a reward. So the son that was rightfully hers, Yocheved's son, was restored to her, and she was even given a reward for taking care of him. Latikach Miriam Anavia Achos Aaron. Pasuk says, referring to the expression of praise by the splitting of the sea, Miriam, the prophetess, took uh, in this, the symbols for, for singing, and she is presented as the sister of Aaron. Achos Aaron, Vlochos Moshe. Is she only the sister of Aaron, not the sister of Moshe? Amrav Amram, Amarav, Rav Amram said in the name of Rav, Amri Law, Amrav Nachman, Amarav, some say it's Rav Nachman in the name of Rav, This teaches that she gave forth a prophecy while she was yet only the sister of Aaron, before she was the sister of Moshe. 
Rashi says, Ad Moshe, before Moshe's birth. And she was the prophet, prophetess, who was the sister of Aaron, before she was the sister of Moshe. In the future, my mother will give birth to a son, who will be the redeemer of Israel. This is pretty a pretty massive prophecy. It's remarkable that she did not use this as an argument for her father. She has a prophecy. She's trying to convince her father to remarry her mother. She doesn't say, you need to remarry Yocheved. You're going to, she's going to give birth to Moshe and Shal But if, if you say that she's already three months pregnant, so it's not really a raya, because it's not necessary for him to remarry her to have Moshe and Shal Yisrael, to have Moshe born. Rather, she has other arguments why it's important, good arguments. Amram accepted her arguments. But if you learn that she was, that Yocheved was already pregnant, so although it's a very important thing to have Moshe Rabbeinu born, it wasn't necessary for Amram to remarry Yocheved for that. Once Moshe was born, as we saw, the house became filled entirely with light. Her father got up and kissed her on her head. He said, My daughter, your prophecy has been fulfilled. It was already clear. The house was filled with light entirely. This is not an ordinary birth, not an ordinary child. Clearly, this is remarkable and indicative of the unfolding of this prophecy of Moshe being Moshe and Shal Yisrael, a redeemer. And once Moshe was cast into the Nile, Ahmad Avia, there's another girsa over here, Amda Ima, so it's a machlokis, who gets the blame? Is it her father or her mother? Somebody got up, the tough Chal gave her a patch, Amar La on her head, Amar La, Biti Hechen Vosech, and it's either her father or her mother said, where's your prophecy? Hmm. That now this child is being cast into the Nile. And that is what is written. That his sister placed herself at a distance to know what shall happen to him. She wanted to know, to, to understand, to know what will be with the end of her prophecy. She knows she had a prophecy. So it can't be the end of the story that he's just cast into the river. She was impelled to follow after to see what actually would take place. And that was actually instrumental in bringing about the Yeshua, that Moshe was found by Bisya and Miriam was instrumental in making the arrangement for Moshe to be brought back to Yocheved. So that's, uh, too, that's a good stopping place over here. How is Yocheved able to keep Moshe if she wasn't able to hide him before? What do you mean? What changed now? Now? Now she's, she's it's not her child. She's, she's uh, commissioned by the princess. She's, it's not her, her child. It's the, the princess of Egypt's child that she's nursing. Wasn't that illegal, though? Why? She's allowed to hire a nursemaid. She adopted him, and she's, and she's uh, hiring a nursemaid. Isn't that also against the decree that, that 
How was it even the Egyptian son who determined the rules? Well, they nullified that decree on that day. Who, 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 not that she was following the rules, right? That's uh, <laughs> like who the daughter already was. In. Yeah, but she has a very nice, fancy seal, and any anybody who comes to the door can see official documents and stamps and whatever you need that this is from the highest source of the government, the princess. Yeah, so it, nobody's going to start up with uh, with her now. It kind of was illegal, but she had such authority, she pretty much could make could make the rules. Right. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, let's see. One more tosos. Bishvili nitzaltem kulchem. On my account, you were all saved. Moshe said, Tamo. This is a wonder. Adrab, to the contrary. Bishvilo nigzru hagzeros. It's Moshe's fault. Although Moshe was saying that when he was cast into the river, the stargazer said, okay, we don't need to continue this decree. He's already thrown in the, this savior of the Jews is already thrown into Nile. But uh, it's his fault, so to speak. That's because of him did the whole decree come about. You could say an answer. He was the very first one <clears throat> thrown into the Nile. And the original decree, so so that fits well with the drush that says Zeh. <clears throat> this one, meaning, and not, an, not another one that we saw, that he was actually the only one who was subject to this decree oh. to throw, throw him into the river. But the earlier decree to kill the born, the baby boys who were born, that's not Moshe's fault. That Paro says he was afraid that if an enemy comes, an army comes, will the Jews join up with the enemy? So in order to prevent that from happening, he made a decree. And it's the men who wage war. So this decree was not for Moshe and Yisrael, not the Jewish Redeemer per se, but in general, to keep the Jewish population subjugated, have few men, that there'll be less of a potential fifth column in war with an enemy. So that wasn't Moshe's fault, so to speak. Right. So he's not... Uh, Tulsa was explaining that Moshe is correct when he says that he was a source of salvation for them. Uh, the, there was another decree, but that wasn't because of him. And this decree only actually, in practice, included him. What about um, Shifra and Kua? It didn't end up happening for me to know. So could also answer that nobody died from that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that, that they were the only ones. I don't know that nobody else was involved. They they were only been assigned, but there was a decree. There was a decree. I don't know that. So it was like there there were there like two decree one decree to kill all the males because of what you just discussed, and then the decree to throw the males into the river was that like a because that that was focused on. The, the the redeemer of the Jewish people was right, like we saw on, on Yudbeis Madal. If there were actually three decrees, and also in the right, right. H- height of the decrees, it was even against the Egyptians. Right. Oh, right, right. Three different levels. Interesting. Hmm. Boy.